Amen. Can y'all do me a favor? The, the band didn't ask for this, but could we just give them a clap of gratitude for all that they do? They, every weekend and week out, they come early, they practice, they make me sound better. Uh, even if you don't like us, uh, can we just go ahead and get another clap hand for them? Whether you like us or not, can we? I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for them. Oh, can I? Wait a second, I got something on my glasses. You know, it's hard to see when you have, like, handprints all over your glasses. You Things get a little bit blurry. Let's clean that off a second. You know, this glass, this glass, this rag is kind of like Jesus. Uh, when our vision gets a little blurry, a little distorted, he comes and cleans it off for us. Do you actually think I had something on my glasses? I didn't. That was just my segue to the verse that I'm going to read. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12 says this. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see? You know, our lives get so busy, they get so complicated, we're rushed from here to there, that our vision of what maybe was or, or could be gets a little bit distorted because the things of the world weigh us down. And those things tend to weigh on us, and they, it causes us to see things not as Jesus wants us to see. So the cool thing about the glasses, the, the rag is when you wipe it, it becomes clean, and I can see again clearly. I just believe God is wanting to redirect us this morning, if you will, clean off the lens of your eyes so that we can see clearly. So the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. Good boy, you've seen well. Good boy, you've seen well. For I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, if I came to you this morning and I showed you a picture of an almond tree, probably the first thing you would say is, okay, it's a branch. Secondly, you might say, are you okay? But see, to Jeremiah, when he saw the picture of the almond tree, he knew exactly what was being represented there. See, he immediately recognizes that, sure, it's, it is true, it's a tree branch, but not just a tree branch, just any branch. It's a very specific tree branch. It's the branch of an almond tree. Well, that's fantastic, Alan. So, well, an almond tree in Hebrew culture was significant. You may ask, how so? Well, let me just stop right there. The truth is there are so many things that we miss in Scripture because we lack the knowledge of the culture. And I promise you, it's not a waste of time to delve a little bit deeper into a, to a word that may not be familiar to you. You know, Google is tremendous. You put it in, and it gets you an answer. Now, what the funny thing about is I, I sort of laugh every time I Google Matthew. The first thing that pops up is Matthew McConaughey. And I'm like, not really looking for it. Thank you, Google, for just suggesting Matthew McConaughey. Really, I want Matthew, the, 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 the author of the book, right? So if we just take the time to look further into the word, if we take the time to discover, I promise you, it will open up more of an understanding and we can come to realize what God is actually attempting to say to us. It will have a deeper impact on our lives because we'll get the whole context of what's going on. So what's unique about the almond tree as opposed to other fruit trees in this region is that it begins to bud or flower in the wintertime. Why is this important? Why is it significant? Well, First of all, it's unusual, would you agree, for something to bud in the wintertime? 
Normally when we think of winter, it's dark, dreary, cold, depressing. You don't think of things springing to life. Because when something flowers or buds, that signals in us that springtime is about to come. And we think of life and happy. And, and the wintertime doesn't always think of that. But yet when Jeremiah saw this, it triggered in him knowing that God was saying something. That the almond tree represented something that was about to occur. The almond tree to the Hebrew people represented awakening. Awakening. See, to everyone in the region, they would understand this. In the natural, they would understand that wintertime is probably coming to a close and the springtime is beginning. But to the Hebrew people who acknowledged and recognized God in all things, knew that it was a new season spiritually. That they knew that the same God who spoke the flower to open in the wintertime, telling them, get ready, I've got something new, is the same one that's going to do something new in them. See, God is wanting to clear our eyes. He's wanting us to see clearer. He's wanting to awaken things on the inside of us. See, God calls to that which lies dormant in us. It's like this. There are all these things that are on the inside of us, and they're in a winter state. What do I mean? There's no fruit. We see no action. There's no movement. Things may even feel dark. You know, in the, in the wintertime, there's a lack of warmth because the air is so cold. But if you will, God calls out to those things that are dormant on the inside of us in its winter state. And he speaks to that which is within us and awakens that which is already there. We just didn't have the capacity to see it in the natural realm. He reveals it. He reveals it by bringing our awareness to what? His reality. To His reality. Most of us are far too locked in, concentrated on, focused on the natural realm. What's going on around us. What the news is saying. What this politician is doing or that politician is doing. What this church is doing or that church is doing. What this minister did or what this minister said. See, we're all focused on the wrong things. And our focus needs to get back on who? Jesus. See, this almond tree represented life, hope, and a future, an awakening. It spoke of things to come. They hadn't occurred yet, but I see that, God, you're on the move. Things are about to get ready to awaken. Awaken of things to come. Does that sound familiar? A hope and a future? See, in fact, later in Jeremiah, these words are spoken in Jeremiah 29 and 11. I'm sure you, most of you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, is there anyone in this room that needs this? To a hope and a future. Does anyone need a hope and a future? I know there's a lot of discouragement in the, even in this place. There's a lot of, of heaviness because of just what we've been through. The pandemic is enough to cause people to be paralyzed. But I'm telling you, He is our hope and our future. And He's wanting us to see things as He sees them. All we see is death and despair around us. All we see is darkness. But if we will turn our gaze upon Jesus... Our eyesight can become clear. See, he wants to awaken himself on the inside of us. Himself. He wants to awaken. See, the almond tree declares, it won't always be this way. It won't always be winter. It may feel dark right now, but spring is coming. Can you hear me? Even in the dead of winter, 
God was making a promise to them as a nation and his people. I am at work on your behalf. He is at work on your behalf in this place. I don't care what you're going through. It may be your darkest hour. It may yet be winter in the middle of summer. But God is saying, I'm here to awaken things on the inside of you. If you will only believe. Awaken. Hope. Life. Future. God doesn't show you things just to tease you. It's like the prophetic. We get a word, and then we get discouraged when we don't see it. We start to think God isn't real. He's not true. He's not who he says he is because we don't see the promise being fulfilled. But the truth is he's showing that to let us know there's a hope in a future. You're just on your way there. See, he doesn't show you something just to discourage you. That's the enemy. The enemy will use the word of God to tell you it's not going to happen. God never gives you a word for a future in order just to trick you to believe he might do it. See, the enemy comes to say, is that really going to happen? Well, it's been five years. It's been 10 years. It's been, God, it's been 25, 30 years, and that word hasn't come to pass. See, he, he whispers things in us, and we just think it's our thoughts. We just think, you know, I'm just having a little, a little challenge in my faith. Okay, well, I won't really call it sin because that's really what it is, but we'll just pretend that I'm just, having a, I'm just questioning my faith at this current moment. Okay, but I'm not believing the word of the Lord. See, the enemy would tell you that what God has said to you because it hasn't come to pass in your timeline, and it hasn't come to pass when you thought it would or the way you thought it would, that God has somehow how dangling the carrot and he's only moving it further further back really he shows you and shows you again possibly so that you keep a hold of what he is saying see true eyesight clear eyesight is seeing the word and holding fast to the word no matter the circumstances that surround you can i get an amen in this place can i get another amen in this place See, the almond tree declares over our lives even now, Jesus is that almond tree. He is the awakening on the inside of us. It won't always be this way. It won't always be winter for you. It won't always be this bad for you. You won't always struggle in this way. You won't always be tormented by the enemy. You won't always be depressed. You won't always have anxiety. You won't always be defeated because your awakening is coming. The almond tree is blossoming. See, Jeremiah was a prophet, and prophets in the Old Testament had a specific job. And what the Old Testament called them were seers, because they saw what the word of the Lord was saying and relayed the will and word to the people of God. See, Old Testament prophets saw for the people. Now we can see for ourselves. Do you get that? We can see for ourselves. See, that's why the veil was torn. So we didn't have to hear or three sue and we didn't have to see or hear through an earthly priest. Yes, we can, but now we are granted full access, a full access pass to God himself. See, we can all be seers because the seers were seeing Jesus for the people. Now we see for ourselves. The veil was torn, but we've got to go beyond the veil. See, he did the job for us, but we sat there and complained about how come I can't see when we haven't bothered to step through the veil that was torn on our behalf. He did his job, yet we complain that we don't see it because we don't want to walk through and pay the price. We want to stand on this side and have it Amazon Prime delivered without doing a thing. See, he made the way. We've got to step behind the veil 
That's where the Holy of Holies is. That's where he is. But yet we are content to stay outside of the Holy of Holies, out in the outer courts. Even in the inner courts is okay. But don't let me get into the Holy of Holies because I might have to change. And I might have to see things his way. Oh, his way. Oh, his way. Why not my way? But that's how it is. We complain that God's not breaking through in our lives. We're not seeing the manifestation. We're not seeing the promises. And many times it's because we stand outside of the veil screaming, why don't I see? And he says, just step through the veil. I've made the way. But we wait. And we complain. And our eyes are, 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 are dim and, and, and our glasses and our lenses are smudgy because there's handprints all over them from what people have said and words that they've said. And the words smudge our eyes. And we stop to see God for who He is. And we start to think, who, who are we, God, in front of you? And all this shame and all this dirtiness comes upon us. And God is saying, if you'll only listen to me, I can break you free of that. He wants to awaken us, awaken us. The hour of awakening is upon us. Come on, do you hear me? I'm not just saying a word in hopes that you'll like it. I'm not just saying a word in hopes that I'll get a raise or a shout, maybe even a hand clap. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, it is the time that the church awakens from our slumber. Because we've seen, we've seen wrongly for too long. We have seen what the world says. The church has got into a habit of copying the world. The world acts sometimes more Christian than the Christians do. What is happening to us? But there is a way. See, God wants to clean our eyes so that we see clearly. He wants to awaken us from our sleeping. He wants to awaken us to His, to his promises. He wants to awaken us to the calling upon our lives. He wants to awaken us. But we've got to step through the veil. If you want the presence, if you want to experience Him in His fullness, get it, you can't experience Him outside, in the inner, in the inner court and in the outer courts. But if you want the fullness of God, to see Him as He is, you've got to go beyond the veil. Are you getting this? It's scriptural. You've got to go beyond the veil. You've got to go beyond the veil. How do I experience God? Inside the veil. Inside where he is. Where he is. We just sang today, I just want to be where you are. Where is he? He's in the Holy of Holies. Inside through the veil. Oh, but some of us are scared of intimacy. Because we might have to let go of who we are. We, got our, we were wrapped up in the image of what we think, who we are, what we preach. What we say, my words. God is wanting to do some correction this morning. He wants us to see things how he sees them. See, in the New Testament, we still have the prophetic ministry. It's just different from the Old Testament. We have those who operate in what we call a gift of prophecy. But we all know anyone in Jesus, the Bible says, can and should prophesy. See, our number one prophetic ministry, though, is to minister unto Jesus. Wait. Have I lost anybody? Wait, we minister to God? Doesn't he minister to us? Well, yes, because we're selfish like that. But our number one goal, our number one calling is to minister unto the Lord. Ministering to the Lord simply means I give him first place. But the problem is, for Christians, we like to minister to people first. 
and we've bypassed ministry to him first, which we get it from him to minister to people. See, we get in a, we get in a, in a, in a works. I've got to pray for this person. I've got to lay hands for this person. I've got to prophesy over this person. Yes, that's great. But if our ministry isn't unto the Lord, who are we ministering to the people to? Are we, are we giving them ourselves? Because that's a very dangerous place. Our first ministry is to minister unto the Lord. And then out of that, the overflow. I'm telling you, we've got it wrong for so long. We get busy. Things become to just accumulate. I've got a schedule. I've got things to do. Who has time to pray? Come on. I'm, I'm, not, here to, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, hearing, I'm, I'm in that position. We have got to change our perceptions. We've got to see how he sees. See, prophetic ministry is designed to bring confirmation, clarity, and empowerment to the church. We don't empower a building, okay? We empower people. See, and I say all that. Why do I say all that? Well, I say it all to tell you you're a seer, and you can see clearly. God will make sure of that. See, we're called also a seer, but for a reason, to see a person, and his name is is Jesus. We are called to see Jesus. See, anytime we speak of him, we are prophesying. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus, so when I give witness, evidence, testimony, reputation of Jesus, that is prophesying. You too can prophesy. He is, not not might be or like, he is the spirit of prophecy. He is prophecy. So when I speak Jesus, my words prophesy. When my experiences testify of him, my words prophesy. My testimony prophesies of him. My actions, my behaviors, my attitude, the fruit in my life prophesies of Jesus. Are you with me? Do you get that? Everything we do in him prophesies him to the world. Are you with me, church? You too can prophesy. He is the spirit of of prophecy. Everything I do in him prophesies more about him. So what are you seeing and what are you prophesying? Are you prophesying Jesus because he's all you see? Or are you prophesying death and hopelessness and despair because you can't see past what is going on around you? Let me ask you, what do you see? What do you see for your life? Where are you heading What do you see for your family? What outcome are you walking towards? Do you see God fulfilling what he has said in you? I've noticed oftentimes when I'm at the gym and I'll be on the treadmill and say like there's, you know, a TV on and it might be off to the the left or to the right, doesn't matter. And I start to just focus on the TV and when I'm on the treadmill and I'm, I'm kind of walking at a, at a fast pace and I'm, I'm just locked in to watch on the TV, all of a sudden I feel myself, I start to drift over. You start to drift over, and all of a sudden you're stumbling over your own words. What we focus on is what we walk towards. What are you walking towards today? Where are you headed? What do you see for your life? What do you see God doing in your life? Because what you see is how you perceive him. No victory in my life. Ooh. So you serve a non-victorious Jesus. I don't think I'm going to get my breakthrough. Oh, so you serve a Jesus that doesn't break through. Well... I just don't think I'm going to be able to pay my bills or, 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 or have the finances. Oh, so you serve a poor God. Is that what you're saying? Now, I'm not into, like, name it, claim it, and, and we all got to be rich. I'm just saying we got to break some mentalities and, that we think that are godly and they're not godly. So what do you see for your life? 
What you see says what you perceive. What you see and what you say is how you see him. Anyone and everyone in this room and those to come that wants to see can. I'm going to prove it. Matthew 13, 3 through 8. Matthew 13, 3 through 8 says this. Verse 3, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately, because they had no depth of soil. Verse 6, but after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. The ones who has ears, let him hear. See, usually we start to shout when it's the thirty, sixty, and a hundred. But we need to move on to verse 15 where it says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. And you shall keep on looking, but shall not understand perceive. Why? For the heart of this people have become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, pivotal, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Otherwise, I would heal them. See, when we read that scripture of passage, we have the tendency to think God is withholding something good from him. He's thinking, well, if your heart was just, it, 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 you could hear, but, but I'm not going to let you hear. No, it's not about him denying them to be able to hear. It's their heart had become dull, and they had closed off their ears to hear. What am I saying? This is what I'm saying. If you have ears to hear, which means you have a desire and a heart to hear, you can hear at any time. Through any message, any worship song, anybody saying anything, any word of counsel, if my heart and attitude is the fact that I want to hear what God says, I can hear through the most boring boring, stupid sermon I've ever heard. It's a choice. Hearing and seeing is an attitude. Ooh. Scorch. See, God desperately wanted them to see, but their hearts had become calloused. Their hearts had become cold. They closed their ears. They closed their eyes. It was on them, not on him. Otherwise, otherwise, come on. Otherwise, how many people met the otherwise? I was lost in darkness and sin, didn't think I was going to find my way out. But otherwise, I became to know him. He, he came into my life and changed me. Otherwise. And he would heal them only if they would open their hearts. Those who have ears refers to anyone who has a desire to hear. If you truly want to hear God, you can and you will. See, it, does take, it will take practice. It doesn't automatically happen. But if we stay in a place of receiving, our ears will be opened. In any situation, at any time, any message, you can hear what the Spirit is saying to you. But the moment someone steps up, Oh, it's just Alan leading worship again. Oh, it's just John preaching again. No offense, John. Oh, it's just that person. 
we automatically, don't tell me you don't shut it off because you do. When you judge a person that steps up in the pulpit as, as worthy of hearing or not, you have hardened your heart in that moment. And what we need to do is listen for the voice of the Lord. No matter the voice that is bringing the message, we are to hear the message. It is not upon the person giving the message totally, but on the hearer to receive the word with gladness and joy. Are you with me? Have I beat you up too much? Good, because we need to see clear. Getting the gunk off sometimes is not a fun process. When you wake up in the morning and your eyes are all matted up, you got to what? Wipe it out. It takes a little bit of work. See, he's got to clean up our act. Okay? See, I think we're moving into a time where it's pivotal that we see clearly. Now, we should always see clearly, but in these days that are coming, and even now, we need to see as he sees, not as we have seen from our history, what our past has said, what we used to do, how it used to work. No, we need to see what he is doing right now. He wants to awaken things on the inside of us. But we close our eyes because we've been disappointed. We've failed, we've seen it, we've heard it, we've seen it before. But I'm telling you, we've got to shift our hearts into receiving mode again. We've got to receive again. Do you hear me? We've got to receive again. Those who have ears can hear. I just want to drive this point home just a little bit more. The definition of hardly, scarcely, where it says they, they shall not perceive because with their ears they scarcely hear. Here's what the, here's what the definition is. Properly means heavily Figuratively means unresponsively dull and disinterested listening. Disinterested. Look, that'll preach. I have sat there, guilty, on that front row, amening, not hearing a word. Please don't do that to me today. I'm ser- but we all do it. Something will happen during worship. I'll notice a, a light looking weird. I'll notice a, a, a buzz in the air conditioner, and I start to think, okay. So I'm sitting there, someone's preaching, and I'm thinking, okay, on Monday I've got to call this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Why is that. What's that smell? What's going on there? Why did, that, why did that slide not work? Why did that not work? Look, I run the day-to-day stuff at the, at the church, so my mind is constantly thinking of what I've got to get done. And then I'll find that, and I'm like, yes, Lord, amen. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait what did they just say? That's how we listen. It's just true. Look. It's, let, 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 let's clear up something right now. It's not on the person standing here. It's on you. So whether you receive something and walk out of here changed, that's on you. Look, I'm just bringing the message. It may not be the most eloquent message you've ever heard, but guess what? I don't care. It's not about me. It's about you. So what I say, you can either take and receive and, and, and let God transform you, or you can half listen, which is what we mostly time do. What's hilarious is the fact that Pastor Lena has catalogs and catalogs of sermons that she's preached over the many years, probably as long as I've been alive. And so she will start to, she will begin to preach a message, and what she most of the time will say, or not say, is that the last time I preached this message was, and she'll give the date. How many people remember that? Zero. She's like, wait, I, I, I preached this message two years ago. We've gotten into the habit where we don't really listen. I've heard that before. Oh, Lena and her blood covenant. Oh, okay, I got it. Oh, lean in the, in the real you. That, oh, I got it. I'm using her because I don't have a series that's that good, so. Just not that good. She's an amazing teacher. Amazing. There's actually, in fact, well, I don't really need to know. But this way, it's really one of the main reasons, not the main reason. Obviously, God moved in my life, but I came here visiting in, in 1997, 
And at a Wednesday night service, she was teaching on the Lord. Oh, don't cry. She was teaching on the Lord's shepherd. No, it was the shepherd. Yeah, what, what was it called? I'm just going to have a conversation with you. The 23rd Psalm. And she got to the, the part, and she's just amazing, but she got to the part where the shepherd actually lays down his, oof, his life so that the sheep can cross over, and something in me just, I just had never heard this kind of teaching before. I grew up in church. But uh, anyway, plug for her. You should check out all her stuff. She's amazing. All right, moving along. So let us not become disinterested in listening. Translation, I've heard this before. I'm not going to learn anything new. Oh, that's scripture again? I know what that means. See, it's not entirely up to me, but it's to the hearer. Where's your heart this morning? See, in hearing, we see. In hearing well, we see. I'm sure Kirk will know the answer to this, but did you know in the Bible, just a little side, that where it says the mystery of the kingdom of God, you know where I want? Most people think it means unknowable. It's a mystery. Ooh, it's, you, you're not going to know it. You, you, you can't know it. But the truth is the Greek word that's used there just means that it can only be known through revelation. See, it's knowledge that is brought. So the key is it's brought when sought. So you got to go through the veil. you got to go into where he's at. He's, he's done it for us. I believe that hearing and seeing is much more about our attitude. Whether I receive or whether I don't, it's up to me. We've said a thousand times you can be in a, in a, in a worship setting and someone is, oh, they're worshiping God, they're crying, they're wailing, and there you are. Why? Because it's personal to them. They've chosen to hear. I'm not saying you haven't chosen to hear. I'm just saying there's reasons because some of us, we're so accustomed to being in church. Ah, I hate church. I love church. I love the church. I don't like religious church, which is what I'm trying to even break outside of myself because we get in the routine and we think it has to be a certain way. But really, I'm just wanting God to be God and me to be man and him to have his way. And like, I'm ready for a revolution. That's what I want. Let it begin in me. If I'm the only one, that's fine. I will, I will, re, I will revolt on, on myself. Is that good? I will revolt. Is that? I don't know. Don't try to ad lib when you don't know. All right. So hearing and seeing is much about an attitude. What's your attitude? When you come through those doors on Sunday mornings, what's your attitude? Look, if I <laughs> led worship the way I feel most of the time, I'm here to tell you, you'd get about 10 seconds. And I would go, I'm ready to sit down. But I don't have the pleasure of that. I don't, I actually think, now there's been times, and I'm just going to confess, that I have been Okay, angry. I've been a little upset. Things have gone wrong. And so you get a little perturbed. And in the middle of worship, you're like, that's it, God. I'm done. I'm not doing this again. I'm over it. No one, no one likes this song. I just, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of trying this. It's not going to work. And then God says, okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's not about me. It's about the people. So I will crucify my flesh so that you can be glorified. Amen? I'm telling you, we need to wipe the, 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 the slate clean. 
We need to let the lenses be cleaned off. That's what I have to do. I couldn't lead worship if I did it in my flesh. You would not enjoy that. Maybe you don't enjoy it anyway, but I'm telling you, if I was in the flesh, it would be even worse. Imagine that. But here's the thing. We don't see so that we can just be full of knowledge. We see so we can know him. Jesus asked this very important question to his disciples in Matthew 16, 13 through 18. He said this. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, you're one of the prophets. And he said to them, so he, he's asking them what others are saying, but then he pivots on this and says, but who do you yourselves say that I am? A very poignant question that we have to ask ourselves a lot of times. Who do you say that I am? Who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal us to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock is the revelation of Jesus as the head of the church, not Peter being the founder. I mean, he, is, he started the church, but it's not about Peter. It's more about the rock is Jesus that he's building his church upon it all hinges on it all hinges on Jesus. If it hinged on a man, we're screwed. Sorry for the language. We're in trouble. How's that? It all hinges on Jesus. If it hinges on a man, we're in trouble. And I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. See, we're all presented with this same question over and over and over. It can be on repeat, if that's what you'd like to think. Who do you say I am? Because what we say declares what we see. What we see. What do you see for your life? What do you see Jesus as? See, how you see yourself truthfully demonstrates who you believe Jesus is. If I'm which I lived a life of just feeling pathetic, weak, uh, unlovable, not wanted. That's just the way I felt. It was just natural for me to feel like that. See, if I was, if I was still like that, that would demonstrate the world that I think Jesus is weak, unlovable, pathetic, just not worth my time. See, how we perceive him is how we're telling the world he is. But who do you say? Paul in his answer, his eyes are open and truly sees who Jesus is. See, he's not just filling a row. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And Paul declares him Messiah. You are the anointed one. I have the revelation that you are the son of the living God. See, in the Greek, the word where it says, do you say? The word was Lego. And what? It's not Lego blocks. It's not, we're not working with Legos here. Lego in its literal definition, it meant to lay down to sleep. 
to lay down to sleep. So the question behind the question that Jesus was asking was, have you determined, have you laid it down to rest who I am? Have you? Have you laid it down to rest who Jesus is in your life? From moment to moment. Who is he to you? See, has it been settled in your heart? Because if it's been settled in your heart before the trouble comes, before adversity or challenges arise, nothing shall sway you and nothing will be able to shake your faith because you will stand firm and you will see clearly that God is working on your behalf no matter the winter you're going through. It may feel cold, but I'm coming out. Ooh, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, guys. I'm about, I'm about to just let it go. I mean, y'all are the whitest of whitest people I've ever... <laughs> just kidding. Come on, who do you say he is? When the, when the question presents itself to you time and time again, when faced with sickness, who do you say he is? When faced with abandonment, who do you say he is? When you're accused, when you're betrayed, when your breakthrough hasn't happened, who do you say I am is what he's saying. When I've not seen the promises, who do you say I am? All of our responses, everything we do, even our lives and our behaviors, all of it tells God how we see Him. It's like reflecting a mirror. Except He wants to reflect His, his mirror, His image onto us. But we like to cast our image upon Him. God, this is who you are. This is what you've not done. This is what you might do if you're in a good mood that day. God, this is what, I, I, this is what you look like to me. And God is saying, oh, son or daughter, if you could just see how I see See, that's what he, he said to Jeremiah. If you could just see what I see. See, it's not so much about him saying who Jesus was. Yes, that was important. But much more about who they perceived Jesus to be. Who am I? He was essentially asking the question again, just as he had asked to Jeremiah, what do you see? And so here, just like where Jeremiah was able to discern what God was showing him, that there was an almond tree. See, God wasn't just showing how he created that species of tree. Fascinating, God. No, he was saying, I've got more. There is, there is a future ahead. There's hope. See, he was presenting that, that, that an awakening was coming. And see, when I compare it to that set of Scripture, what I just read in Jeremiah, I see a lot of similarities. Jesus asks what they see, and Peter replies, and notice what Jesus says, you have seen correctly. And I'm going to see this thing through. I'm here to tell you it's okay if you aren't seeing him at all. Let me finish. Like what you want or like you used to. He will correct your vision if you allow him to. Did Jeremiah always see things so clear? The answer is no. If you'll back up to Jeremiah right there in verse 11, look at verse 4 through 6. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 6. Are we there? Are we there? All right. Thank you. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, every time. Can we not just automatically get it right? Then I said, I, I gets in the way every single time. 
No one else in this room? You always get it right. First, first, first. Okay, me and Jeremiah, we, we're related. We, we, we get it. So he says, oh, Lord God, whoa, behold. I don't know how to speak because I'm a youth. See, Jeremiah immediately disqualifies himself. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not old enough, educated enough, brave enough, experienced enough, full of the word enough. You've got the wrong guy. Let me tell you what, if I have identified with anything in my life, it is Jeremiah. Because when God said I was called to be a pastor, I said, oh, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. I'm not educated enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the word enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not talented enough. I can't do it all. But guess what? That's just the people he likes to use. God is funny like that. I remember one time during a service, God was really moving. Uh, the worship leader at the time was praying over me, and uh, he was just this ball of fire and just prophesied as, as, he, as he led worship. It was just amazing. And I had only been in the church maybe a, a, a week or two. I don't know, just a short time. And so he's praying over me, and he's shouting, and he's screaming, and I'm just like, okay, bro, all right. So he's screaming, and he's like, and you shall do the same things that I do. And I'm like, ha, oh, buddy, you got the wrong guy. Do you, do you need a different address? Like, you've got the wrong person here. See, why? Because the vision that he had of himself, speaking of Jeremiah, was in direct opposition of how God saw him. See, God saw him as he is, not how he perceived himself. See, why did Jeremiah get it so wrong? See, his vision wasn't in line with God's vision. The dead giveaway is this. In the start, God says, Jeremiah... I've known you long before you even had the time to judge yourself. So before you disqualified yourself, I qualified you. Before I formed you, I already said yes. Before you said no, I said yes. See, before Jeremiah, his life, his experience, his, 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 his sin, his, the, his, 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 his sin nature, his human nature, all of that had time to develop, but God said, before you had the opportunity to cancel yourself out, come on, cancel culture, I said, you're uncanceled. Woo! Come on. Do you hear the words that he's saying today? Come on, he's wanting to correct your vision. When I go to, a, to the optometrist, to the eye doctor, what are they looking to do to correct my vision? What do they say over and over again? Slide one, slide two. Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? Half the time I go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It looks the same to me. And they're like, okay, we'll move on to the next one. I am the worst patient, but it's okay. See, they're, what are they trying to get? They're trying to get your vision to be clear. And that's what God is wanting for us. He's wanting us to be clear. Okay, moving along, Alan. So look at how God does it. After Jeremiah so eloquently declines the, the job request. Application retracted. No, thank you, Lord. Verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to God, when he speaks, when he, th when he speaks over you, oh, lifetimes of, of sin and habits and shame can be wiped off in a moment. 
when he speaks, your vision can become clear as the clearest of day. The, all the cloudiness and all the, all the, all this, the junk in our lives, when, when he says over us, something breaks in us. And we begin to see clearly because we, we have seen through a glass dimly. But he is wanting to bring clarity to our lives. He is wanting us to see as he is. He says, I want you to see yourself as I see you. Do not say, oh, I have a lifetime of God saying, do not say that, Alan, because I have been my worst enemy. I have been my worst critic. I don't need someone to tell me how bad I am. I already knew it and felt it and lived it. I didn't think I was worth anything. So I can identify with God continually saying, don't say that, son. That's not who you are. See, I had formed and fashioned who I was. And I said, God, this is who I am. This is all I'll ever be. But the words came to me, do not say. And I, with gladness, said, yes, Lord. I don't understand it. I don't know how I'm going to walk out of this. But if you say I can be free, then I just say yes to you. And he begins to walk it out in our lives. See, clarity doesn't come in an instant. It's not like when we go to the, to the, to the, to the, to the eye doctor and instantly, we, yeah, we have to wait for the prescription. I guess it's kind of like waiting for that, for our new lenses to come in. God walks us through the process to bring clarity, and it's in his timing, and it's his perfect timing. And I know we want to rush him, and I know we want things to happen, and I know we think, we, we're like, where are you, God? And he's saying, just hold on to me. See, he wants to correct our vision step by step. See, to me, it's like God was saying, even to, to, to us and, and to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, it is I who commanded the almond tree to bud in winter before the season that is expected to bloom. And I have commanded you to bloom. I've commanded what's on the inside of you to awaken See, the God who called, who created the almond tree to bud in the wintertime, calls to speak over your life to bloom out of season when you shouldn't bloom. That's the God we serve. In the wintertime, when things are looking hopeless, yet a flower emerges and there's life and we have something to look forward to. He wants to give us a hope and a future, even in the midst of our winter storm that seems like it's never going to be over. You may feel like you're in, 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 in a thousand foot deep pile of snow, but yet God will show you a vision saying, you're coming out and I'm bringing you out. Come on, is anyone receiving this this morning? Is anyone just waiting on the Lord to, to bring them out of a dark place? Is anyone in this place just believing God that he wants to awaken things on the inside of you? Because if you don't, that's okay. Just say, I don't know, God, but I'm wanting to see if you'll show me. The same God who called the tree to bud in winter called Jeremiah to bud when he was in his winter season, what it looked like to him. He always calls us ahead of time. When he called me, I, I, you got the wrong guy. I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I mean, he's brought me out of that. Sometimes I, I still don't. Can we just be real? See, God wants to work himself in us but we're too busy working ourselves in us. See, we always want to see it our way, have it our way. The same Burger King, 
old joke on the showing my age. Moving on. Woo. Got five minutes left? All right. Second Kings 6. Second Kings 6 says this. When the servant of the man of God came, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? Sounds like us. Oh, no, God, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? God's like, again, with the questions, have I not showed myself before coming through? Anyway, so when the servant got up, he sees that the, the, the horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse 16, don't be afraid. The prophet speaks. The word of God speaks. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha, who represents Jesus, and the servant representing us, Elisha prays for or makes intercession on behalf of the servant praying that his eyes would be open. See, if Elisha, a mere man, had compassion on the servant and wanted him to see, I've got fantastic news for you. See, we have someone even better than Elisha to intercede on our behalf. We have Jesus. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, is able to save forever those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He makes intercession on our behalf. Jesus, who is our high priest, is always looking for an opportunity to intercede for you. He lives to make petitions to the Father on our behalf. Right there. You don't know what to pray? Ask Jesus to pray for you. Come on, it's right there. He lives to make interest. He lives to pray for you. He lives to see the fullness of God be birthed in our lives. He lives to see us prosperous. He lives to see us uh, above. He lives to see us more than conquerors. He lives to see us the head and not the tail. But we also have not just Jesus, as if that wasn't enough, like the promos, if not one, guess what? You get one more. Romans 8.27 says this, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not only do we have Jesus praying for us, we have the Spirit of God praying for us. They intercede when we don't know what to pray. Have you ever been at a point where you just don't know what to pray? I have great news for you. That's the best place to be because we will stop praying our stupid, petty ideas that what we think should happen, and we actually let God flow through us, intercede, and things are broken, and, 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 and things are torn down, and, and things in the spirit realm happen. Come on, are you with me? He lives to make, to make intercession on our behalf. I like this. The Message Bible says it this way. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, can I get an amen? I said, can I get an amen? Okay. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we could ever know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, 
and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Whew, I'm going to hurry and finish with this. See, seeing is not to imply or suggest that we ignore what we're going through. See, we might see the problem, but we understand and know He's the solution. See, we don't pray, open my eyes, so we don't see the issue. We just don't magnify it, and we keep the problem in perspective. See, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. That he may see what? He saw that the enemy was surrounding, that he may see that God is in the midst of them. That he is working on their behalf. That things may appear as they are not looking good. But let me tell you, in the spirit realm, there are angels, and there are, there are warring angels ministering over your lives. They're fighting for you. They're pushing back the enemy. Come on, is anyone in this room with me today? The God is working on your behalf. I looked and I saw the hills full of horses and the chariots all around us. See, the servant's eyes were open. But notice now, he saw the army and the host of the Lord, but also equally important, he didn't stop seeing that what was trying to oppose them. See, God didn't blind him to the enemy. He saw both at the same time. Oh, Oh, God's got this. I see how small the enemy is compared to the majesty of my king. See, he's got this. I was worried at first, but now I see, God, you've got this. I can actually chill out and take a step back. Oh, you already won the va- you've already won the battle. The victory is already yours. Yes, it's already his. We've just got to see it from his perspective. See, it's not a disregard for the circumstances. The facts were the enemy had them surrounded. But the truth was, God was surrounding them all. See, I see what the enemy is trying to do. But God, I see you. We don't ignore the problem. We just don't magnify it. We magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. See, magnifying is not like you're taking a little ant and you're making it bigger so that you feel better. When we magnify the Lord, truly what we're doing is we're drawing near to Him and then we see how big of a God He is. See, one way we're bringing the object to us, on this instance, when we magnify the Lord, we're going to Him and seeing, oh my God, the span of your, the stretch of your hands is unfathomable. I'm not making you bigger because you're already big. I can, I can magnify the ant and make Him appear bigger bigger. Objects may appear larger in the mirror, but the truth is, God, when I draw near to you, you're bigger than I could ever have dreamed. So we magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord. Come on, stand with me. Let's magnify the Lord. Come on, can we just magnify? Come on, guys, stand up. Come on, just open up your mouths. Let's just magnify the Lord for just a moment. Come on, can we just tell him how great he is, how awesome he is? Come on, we don't need background music. We just shout to the Lord. Come on, our praise, let it rise forth, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're that you are moving in our midst, God. We thank you that you are cleaning our eyesight up, God, that you are wiping the lenses clean so that we can see you clearly and accurately. God, we put to death the old us. We put to death shame. We put to death the old us and how we see ourselves. God, we lay an axe to the image and the vision of who we are to ourselves. And God, we want to see who you have made us to be. Because we are wonderfully and beautifully made in your image. Come on, I said we are wonderfully and beautifully made in his image. Come on, he wants to open your eyesight that you would experience 
the, the fullness of him. He wants you to not be afraid to step out and, and come behind the veil and experience a touch from him. Because, whoa, the things he wants to bring out of our eyesight, the things that he wants to clean, the, the fingerprints that the world has. See, the world's always clawing at us and they're trying to get our attention. And there's fingerprints caused by doubt and, and disillusion and, and lies of the enemy. And God is wanting to wipe all that clean. He's wanting to give us a true, clear vision of who he is. But he asks, who do you say I am this morning? Can we just take the time to honestly, not religiously, truthfully and honestly, tell God who He is? And if it's wrong, we just say, God, I'm so sorry I saw you as not being able to do your word. I'm sorry that I didn't believe what you said in that point. I'm sorry that, that I didn't believe you here. I'm sorry that I've held on to this rejection. I'm, I'm sorry that I held on to shame. See, God doesn't show you so he can chastise you. He shows you so that he can bring course correction, so that he can bring eyesight correction, that he can bring his clarity. Because if we had it to our way, we see everything wrongly. But here's what I want to leave you with. Verse 12 says this. It says, for I am watching over my word to perform it. That word, for I am watching, is the same root word for the almond tree. So God said back to him, I'll almond tree that thing for you. Do you hear that? I'm going to almond tree that issue for you. I'm going to almond tree that, 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 that break in your heart. I'm going to almond tree that thing for you. I'm going to awaken. Come on. He said back to Jeremiah, you saw it wrongly. You saw it incorrectly. And this is how I see you. And no, you don't have to do it in your own strength. I'm going to almond tree your life. God, I just thank you that you're awakening new things in us. God, we want to truly enter into a new season in you. God, we thank you, Lord, that we are not we're not locked in by natural seasons, God, but we want to be in your season and in your time, God. So I thank you, Lord, that we look to where you are. We focus on you, God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are pouring out yourself, God. All we want to do is love on you, God. All we want to do is see you clearly, God. To a lost and dying world, we want to see you as clear as we can, God. God, we bless you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are correcting our vision. In Jesus' name, amen.